Today's scripture comes from Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Well, good morning, Exilic Church. Uh, it's so good to be back here. It's actually been a while. Um, I think it's my first time speaking from our newer space. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Wei Ho. I do college ministry or campus ministry in the city uh, to college students here in Midtown Manhattan, um, predominantly at Fordham and Hunter. And um, so many of you have asked how things are going and praying for me on a consistent basis. So thank you so much, Exilic, uh, for your support and ministry and support to me and the students that we have. I uh, do want to invite your prayers as uh, we gear up for another semester and a season of campus ministry. Uh, it's been a real blessing to meet students from various backgrounds and um, various places in their faith, wrestling, asking questions, and their doubts. And so um, today I want to start with something a little different. I want to start just right into a poem. And it's called Present Tense. It's a poem by Jason Lehman. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. To want, but not have, to have, but still be in want. Uh, your age might change. Uh, our situations might change. The seasons might change. Well, we've all experienced this in our own small ways or large ways. We're discontent. We're not always happy. We might be still looking for it, whatever that it might be. And it may not take long to realize this either, that if you can believe uh, Jason, the the person who wrote this poem, he was only 14 years old when he wrote this poem. And so somehow at a precocious young age of 14, he had experienced enough of his own wanting and not getting, or then getting but still wanting, and, or maybe he saw enough cranky adults complain and regret and wish for something else that he had enough to pen this poem. What is it that we want and what are we after? What would make us happy? To be still, 
to be at peace and rest with yourself without any worry or cares? What would give us security today enough to cause all our worries to fly away, to be content as we looked at just now? What are the things that we're striving after? I wonder if it would be career-oriented. So many of us move to the city for our careers. Is it a particular achievement that you're striving after? Is it something relational in nature, a significant other, a relationship of some kind? Um, Is it fame that we desire? Is it more influence, a larger platform? To name just one, I imagine not for a few of us, I, I polled enough of you to know this, uh, to name just one, I imagine that for a few of us, our minds naturally float to money. We think money might help with that. Uh, we, we think about what kind of, what, what, what would more money do for us, for us, for our future, for even grandkids. A raise can mean a certain kind of vacation. A better paying job can mean a larger house or apartment. Maybe you could finally get that one bedroom that you've been wanting. Uh, to have all the shoes in the wardrobe you've ever wanted, to go on a shopping spree, to have all your Pinterest dreams come to life, to own and to do whatever you've always wanted. But studies have shown that uh, money and wealth do not actually mean more happiness in uh, societies. In fact, there's not a very there's not a very close connection between the two. Actually, on the flip side, uh, studies have shown, however, that the more wealthy and prosperous a country is, actually the higher the depression rates become. Per capita goes up. But you knew this already, right? You know, you know this chorus? I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more monies we see. Straight from Brooklyn, one of the greatest hip-hop hits of all time, the rapper Notorious B.I.G. Biggie's song was appropriately titled Mo Money, Mo Problems. Uh, tragically, <laughs> tragically, the song came out after he was gunned down at a young age, just 24. Again, very, very young. We can have all that we need, and yet it's still less than what we want. We can have everything that we need today, and it's still less than what we want. Why is that? Why are we so habitually so unhappy and to have so much but then still feel like it's not enough? Maybe we grumble or we complain and we, we, we compare ourselves and we envy others or it's other people's fault that we're not happy. We, we blame others, be it coworkers or a spouse for a lack of joy. Forget the big things. If I'm being real with you just this morning, I'm embarrassed how easy it is for something to ruin my day, to knock me off kilter, that, that, that uh, precious inner equilibrium that doesn't always stay. It's me walking to church this morning and wondering, why is this person walking so slow in front of me? It's every time I've walked outside without an umbrella, the raindrops start to come down. And it's at least a 10-minute walk from the train station. Uh, It's dashing to that station. It's flying down the stairs just in time to see the doors close on that train. And the conductor doesn't care. Um, It's my barely a year old phone that's already slowing down. Why is it so slow? Yes, I did restart it. 
<laughs> it's, it's when I see my Amazon Prime order is one day late. Why is it so hard, small stuff, why is it so hard to be content? And is it even possible? Is it possible to be content? To this, uh, our passage this morning from Paul says, it is possible, that it is possible to be content in this life, but there's a secret to it. Paul's a Christian, he's a follower, he's uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he wrote this letter to a group of people living in the ancient city of Philippi um, while he was in jail for sharing the secret. And um, it's a little bit different than our jails today. It's not a fancy jail uh, where you get fed and you have warm clothing and protection. Back then, if your friend did not visit you in jail and sent you money for basic needs, you might starve and die. So the context in which Paul writes this letter and begins the section on contentment is this. Um, his friends took a while to send a gift to him. We don't know what that is, be it food or money. And, but they eventually came. It's not because they didn't care about him, but because uh, their friend almost died on the way. His name is Epaphroditus. Um, Paul wants them to know. He's writing them back to let them know he's grateful for their gift and that their friend is healthy now and going back to them. But he says this in such an interesting way. He says... Not that I'm being in need, and he says, if you, if you go down further in Philippians, he says, not that I'm after you for your gift, but I want you. I want your hearts. I, I want your hearts to, uh, I love that you're concerned for me, that it shows your faith. So Paul says some pretty amazing things about contentment, especially if you want to take stock about who it is saying this. Someone who's already suffering greatly for fallen Christ, who is currently in prison. He says, I'm content. I'm grateful for your gift, but whatever situation I'm in, I have learned to be content. Whether I have everything I need or I don't have very much, whether it's in plenty or in want, I'm content. So it's really strange, right? So, so I want to know. I want to know how he does that. I want to know, does he just... A stoic guy, just feels no pain, no emotion. What kind of Jedi tricks is he using? Is he deluding himself like that meme of a dog, surrounded by firing, fire saying, this is fine? No, actually, Paul is actually content. And here he teaches us at least three things about true contentment that make that possible. First thing that we hope to see today is that contentment is learned. The second is that contentment is for all seasons, each and every circumstance. And lastly, we'll look at the secret to contentment, okay? So it is learned, it's for all season, whatever situation, and there's a secret to that contentment. So I love that our church is growing in number, including that of new children, babies, and, and uh, for some of us, soon our babies will learn to walk. And then to talk, and then before you know it, blink of an eye, they've learned to drive, and they're off to college. Um, like all the important things in life that must be learned, Paul says that contentment is learned. Let's back to school. I know school makes some of you a little less excited than others, but I hope you feel at least hopeful hearing this, that if you struggle with contentment, as I do, that you can learn this. You can grow in it. It's like 
finding out that there's a YouTube video for that do-a-home project that you don't know how to do. We know this because he says this a few times in these few verses. He says, I have learned. I have learned, and I know, and I know. We can't just, there you go, right there. We can't just download it and it's done and it's automatically right there. This means what? This means that Paul had to practice it. He had to learn it. Like the instinctive nature a doctor has when he meets a new patient to get the right diagnosis because he's seen this a thousand times. Or it's shooting a basketball hundreds of times a day to get your form down and your muscle memory right. We face all these situations in life We don't know how our faith will fare until it actually comes to us. And so, I don't know if any of you in this room right now, you're off on college break, but for those of you in college right now, you're facing new questions, new life challenges, new challenges to your faith that you've never encountered before since you left home. And I'm so glad that you're here. You're wrestling with faith and you're wrestling with your doubts. It's, uh, It's facing tempting or difficult situations in different parts of our lives and in different parts of our hearts, in whether it be at relationships or finances, our own self-worth, fighting to be content, it's learning certain things about our own selves. How we tick, where we struggle, lies where we're easily, lies that we're easily believe in to cause discontent. Maybe we get easily discontent because we, um, we play the comparison game. We compare ourselves to others. You work so hard to get here. You look across and you see your peer, and they, they look like they're having so much more fun than you and become jealous. Or um, whatever that is, someone who's more popular than you, beautiful, famous, stronger, smarter, wealthier, magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? In the Disney movie Snow White, the queen was fine so long as the magic mirror said she was the most beautiful of them all. But then one day, the mirror said, nope, I found someone more beautiful, Snow White. And then her heart goes to a dark place. And maybe Snow White shouldn't be around anymore, like like on this earth. And she sends out men to kill her and even disguises herself as an old woman to give her a poison apple. Have, have you learned anything about yourself when something or someone gets in the way of something important to you? Your bright spirit suddenly becomes a bit more dark. Or maybe we resort to using people, uh, people made in the image of God instead of loving them. What about, if it's not comparison, what do we blame? We ask ourselves, whose fault is it that I am not content and happy? Is it my parents? Is it my spouse? Is it my children? Is it my coworkers? Is it myself? Is it the world around me? And it takes practice to spot that lie, to see the temptation, to, to sense the feelings of resentment that well up in you, and to seek God's help to be content. There's a, a hymn I want to share with you. I, I'll read it in its entirety just because there's a story that grows as we go in this hymn. It's called, I Ask the Lord That I Might Grow. And it's a story about somebody who asked God to help them find 
to help them grow in faith and contentment. I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love in every grace, might more of his salvation know, and seek more earnestly his face. Twas he who taught me thus to pray, and he I trust has answered prayer, but it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. Not what he was looking for. I hope that in some favorite hour at once he answer my request, and by his love's constraining power, subdue my sins and give me rest. Instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart, and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. Yea, more with his own hand he seemed intent to aggravate my woes, cross all the fair designs I schemed, blast my gores, laid me low. Lord, why is this? I trembling cried. Will thou pursue thy worm to death? Tis in this way, the Lord replied. I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayst find thy all in me. Have you learned yet that more notoriety, better stuff, better job, better spouse, what I want, I want I've gotten this and I want this, is maybe that's what's keeping us from being happy. So not only that's uh, true contentment is learned, not only is true contentment possible because it can be learned, it's actually true because one can be content whatever the circumstance and situation. Uh, true contentment is for all seasons. It grows regardless of the season. Anything and everything, Paul says, if you look with me at the, the other slide, anything and everything Paul says, he says this, I know how to be brought low to be down in the depths, I know how to abound. Whether it is having plenty or hunger and great abundance and need, I can be content. And it could be easy, I think, when you read this passage to think that it's easy to be discontent when you don't have, when you're suffering, when you're lacking something. But that's actually not necessarily true. As I mentioned before, so many of us um, we, we feel like we have this need, and, and yet we feel like it's still not enough. We have what we need, sorry, we have what we need, but still not enough. It's less than we want. Um, just a couple of semesters ago, I was uh, meeting with some students, and we were studying the scriptures together. We were looking at the book of Judges. And um, uh, so, you know, if you read this book, you see the cycle that goes over and over. Um, People, the people forget about God. The God sends calamity upon them. They cry for help. God sends a judge to save them, and then it repeats. So here's an example. Judges 3.7. The people of Israel forgot their God. Forgot their God. They sinned against him and worshipped idols of Baal and Asherah. And forgot their God. We, for, we can forget in success, in good times. We can forget God in good times. We can get prideful. Did I really need God in that? No, no, I, I did that. Um, we start to forget him. And, and thinking of contentment, whether in having much or having little, I love this proverb, uh, this proverb from Proverbs 30. I want to share that with you. I, I encourage you to read it all sometime, but I'm just going to read a couple of verses of it. Um, this is Proverbs 37 to 9. 
It's talking about asking God for just enough, not too much, not too little. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still steal and profane the name of my God. It's saying, give me enough, Lord. Keep me from sin. Help me to be content. In any and every circumstance, in plenty and hunger, abundance or need, that's true contentment. That I can be, we could be content in all seasons of life, in each and every circumstance. Which on the flip side then, if you think with me a little bit, it tells us what the counterfeits and fakes are, doesn't it? If we say to ourselves, I will be happy if, as long as blank, maybe what we have is not true contentment. Or maybe another way of asking this of ourselves is, can, you, can we handle failure or will it end us? Can we handle success or will actually, arrive, will actually arriving at that which is success might turn us into something like a monster? We've said that contentment is not just an automatic freak download, but it's learned. It takes practice. We've seen that it's for all seasons, whatever the circumstance or situation. But what's the secret? What is Paul's secret that makes it all work? If my desires are insatiable, and like that Rolling Stones song, I just can't get no satisfaction, it's found here. It's found in the very last passage of this, uh, very last verse of this passage. Paul says, I can do all things through him, that's Jesus, who strengthens me. Now, I think some of you have heard of this verse before. I think you've heard it many, many times, and Sometimes it's misused and misquoted, mostly in sports. I'm like, what, 5'9 on a good day? Uh, it doesn't matter how much I quote this verse. It doesn't matter what shoes I buy. It doesn't matter how much I train. I'm not making the NBA. I'm not dunking a ball in that regulation hoop. What Paul is saying is, in the midst of suffering, talking about learning contentment, there is something here that's very different. And even that word contentment, the way Paul uses that in the Greek and the, the setting that he wrote in was interesting because he wrote in the time and the waters of first century Greek Stoicism. It's, it's, it's the water that he swam in, all his contemporaries swam. And they valued what they called contentment too. It was one of the highest virtues. But it was a little bit different than what Paul talked about. It was about indifference. It was about being self-sufficient and not needing anybody else. Don't hurt, don't feel, don't let things affect you. It was about being self-sufficient, something that you can find inside of you that made you content, something somewhere inside. And not just for Greek Stoicism, I think for some of us we can see that today. But what Paul is speaking of when it comes to the secret is amazing what he says here. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and something else. It's otherworldly what Paul says in light of that culture because it's not about finding that it in you, 
that strength, that contentment, it is to be rooted and found. His is found rooted and grounded in somewhere else and and someone else. And not necessarily just any person or relationship. It's found in this one who strengthens him that he can do all things, which is Christ. Paul could say, I can be content. I can persevere no matter what happens, not in my external circumstances, not whether your aid package got to me today or not, or whether I got what I want in life, because my contentment is not because I'm so self-sufficient in and of myself and my own abilities, but because my Christ is sufficient. He is enough. He gives me strength. And so after learning and knowing the secret, Paul says, I can do such things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And only he can be that strength because this Jesus, we believe that he died and he conquered death by being raised from the death from all our sinful discontentment, our grumbling and our complaining, our comparing and our blaming, our mistreatment of others, our misadventures of seeking happiness. He is alive forever and he cannot die. And so my heart, our hearts, which God has put eternity into, has something to hold on that is eternal and certain. And rather, he holds on to me. And it is the solid rock and a firm foundation of all of who I am and what I do, my worth, my value, my identity. He is an anchor for my soul and my joy whose love for me is better than life and is stronger than death. And which of all the world's greatest love stories point to the intimacy and the love which he has for you and I and his bride, the church. And so whether we have but we still want, or whether we want but we cannot have, the secret of contentment found in Christ is where he gives himself to us And then the volume then starts to turn a little bit lower and lower and lower on those nagging wants. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus promises us that if you turn to him, leaning upon him, resting upon him, falling upon him. He promises to be your strength. Strength enough for today. Strength enough for tomorrow and all the troubles that come. A strength like no other that can bear of all of life's joys and sorrows. And then all the things, all the other things that we care and we wanted, a better job, yeah. Jobs, they will come and they will go. But you know what it will be? It'll be a job. Money, it will just be money. It won't control us. Our significant other, a wonderful yet broken and perfect person, we will enjoy. Fulton Sheen once said, you must remember to love people and use things rather than to love things and use people. Paul understood that. That's why he said what he did in verse 10 and 11. I'm not, I don't, I'm not after you for your gift or money. I want you. And uh, we'll stop using people. Transactional relationships. We will start to learn to love and serve others 
Money will just be a great tool God gives us to provide for us and to, to give away. We might actually start to find even greater joy in our relationships and friendships from that. That's the secret. That's the secret. But we have to learn it. You have to put it into practice. Paul, he learned the secret in shackles and chains. Where will you and I learn this? When you are invited to that wedding, you're sitting in that conference room, you're scrolling through Zillow. I pray that you will learn it and share that secret widely. And I say this even as a prayer to you now, that I will hear stories and testimonies of it. And come what may, whether in abundance or need, plenty or in want, sickness or in health, richer for richer or poor, he has made you his and will not lose you, but he will find you. And therefore, we can be content. We can say with that hymn, it is well with my soul. Can you say that to yourself? Though my body is decaying, my beauty is fading, though Satan attacks, though all manner of trials come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. And therefore, since that is true and Christ is true and he is mine, it is well. It is well. It is indeed well with my soul. That right there, that peace in my heart, Lord, I'm content to say I'm content. No, no, no one's born with that. No one's born with that. It's learned in the school of suffering and sorrow and seeing our idols disappoint us and then smashing them. Paul has given us the secret today. It's found in the gospel. It's found in Jesus. And we have a very good teacher, the very best of tutors. If you will listen to him and learn from him, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Oh, all the things, Lord, you've made us. We've given eternity in our hearts, and we don't know what to do with this life. We, we grasp for meaning and purpose and significance and joy and pleasure, Lord, and, and just feels like ever and ever increasing desires and want, Lord. Lord, we know that you made us this way. It is not that we should rid ourselves of such desires, Lord. Help us to know this strength, help us to know this secret, that whatever comes, whatever we lose that job today or not, or whatever tomorrow we rise to the greater heights of success, I can do all things through him, through you, Lord, for you give us the strength like no other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.